0: left room there for that music to come in
1: oh that we've we're already in there oh we're in there already yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) you're listening to leader fm a weekly talk show for intelligent leaders and executive coaches reaching for the next level leader fm is hosted by executive coach dr scott francis and marketing media man tony creech this episode of Leader FM is brought to you by Advanced Leadership Coaching and TheCreechLeague.com. This week on Leader FM, Dr. Scott and Tony chat about morning routines and how self awareness is the first critical pillar for anyone seeking growth. You're listening to Leader FM. Dr. Scott and I are here. We're excited to talk leadership, and we really do believe that you are ready for the next level. So let's dive in. It's so good to chat with you, Dr. Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Tony. Good to be with you again. (laughs) Uh, It is good. You're right. So we (laughs) had the big launch. Yeah, I going to say, congratulations. (laughs) Same to you, man. Uh, (laughs) So we launched. We're in. This is no longer beta land.
0: Right, so now we have to be doing it right.
1: Yeah, we have to be good. As my grandmother would say. So, what do you have happening in your world this week?
0: In my world, do you know? Okay, so um, of course, now that I've finished my dissertation, mm-hmm. uh, my my life shifts. I've got more space in my life, and so I've been focusing a lot more on marketing. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's the problem. A lot of coaches struggle because they they get really good at their craft,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: obviously, that's what I I've spent the majority of my time working. Mm-hmm. And not so much on you know figuring out some of the the basics of how to a have a good website, mm-hmm. how to have you know how to how to reach people, um, but i had like I was telling you earlier, I had a bit of a epiphany um, or more of a kick to the head um, about copywriting mm. you know uh, and of course, I didn't even know what it was, so I had to Google it <laughs> and, uh, and see that copywriting is how you sell some sort of online product. Well, as an academic, when I would read copywriting, um, I enjoy reading it and I've often bought stuff from copywriting the way it's written because it's written mm-hmm. the way you speak. It's not written with proper English, right? <laughs> not proper English prose. It's written the way yeah. you speak and uh, with, with incomplete sentences and... I I had this internal problem whenever I would try to write it, because everything within me just screamed, "This is not good. This mm-hmm. is this this is really crappy stuff." Uh-huh. And uh, I finally got over it, though. I just had to kick myself in the head and say, "Look, that's not the way you sell, Scott. Nobody's uh-huh. interested in buying some really really deep academic written stuff." <laughs>
1: You know, there's all sorts of ways in which academic writing is terrible.
0: I they had us read an entire book in in uh, my my last program that was all about how to
1: not write bad. That's actually a great title for a book. How to not write bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so so big news for me. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, irons in the fire. Um, but something that's changed for me, my biorhythm shifted. Mm. I don't I don't exactly know why. Maybe it's because I'm exercising more. Mm. I got a gym membership and uh, they had, for me to make it out to the right courses and classes that they have running, I yeah. had to start getting up early for it. Mm-hmm. And so for the first couple of days, it was really hard to get out of bed. Um, you know, this is for like six o'clock in the morning. Uh, and so I'd be getting up at 5.30. Mm-hmm. But because I think I started exercising and because I started earlier, my whole biorhythm shifted. And now at 4.30 in the morning, I'm wide awake laying in bed. Wow. And, and, and there's no use trying to fall back asleep again.
1: And you're not in your 70s. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> that's
0: good. No, Otherwise, well, maybe, maybe fortune is. would be on. Uh, I, probably I could have never done this in my 20s. But... But uh, now, for some reason, my rhythm shifted. So I started taking advantage of uh, the Miracle Morning kind of mm-hmm. uh, idea where you, you exercise, uh, meditate, pray, uh, do some journaling, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and do that all before the kids go to school.
1: Yeah. Does that make your breakfast with the family a lot better?
0: Uh, no, because they're all running out the door. <laughs> I'm having a good breakfast, but I always do. Uh, okay. but, uh, it, it gives me a time, you know, I'm, I'm able to really engage them where I'm not running around getting ready, but more so what it's really done, uh, it's, it's just shifted my, my feeling about the way I'm living life and doing life. Mm. Like it, I feel much more intentional, uh, and excited about what I'm about to embark on each day. Each day yep. feels like a bit of an adventure because I'm really gearing up for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really neat shift. I really hope that this sticks.
1: This makes me want to just go on and on about morning routines because it does really shift how you how you feel about your day, like how rested you feel, how ready for it you feel, mm. just because you didn't get up and jump out the door. I because I did exactly the opposite of that this morning. I was up way too late last night and I had to get up early and was like up, grab stuff, go. Like not, no, no time. And, uh, yeah, so bad example, good example right here. I, I usually get up early and run a routine, but, uh, we've been, I've been having a lot of 12 hour film days and it's been just like nuts, but you have some news. You said
0: I have some news. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, can say this now, It was in the work for a while. I'm going to be uh, starting a new, uh, position. It's going to be, I'm not sure if it's going to be quarter time or half time, um, but I'm going to uh, be working uh, as a chaplain at the legislature mm-hmm. here in the province that I'm in. So that, that means that I'll be, uh, be uh, working with uh, the MLAs for Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, for people in the United States, the, an MLA is the member of your legislative assembly. So what would be the equivalent in the like, States?
1: We'd have like a house representatives for, you know, we'd have a like, we have like a, we That's have a state le- legislature. Okay. We have That's a state safe. legislature.
0: Gotcha. So yeah. it's yeah. same. So we have we have, have kind
1: of Same thing. Like a
0: right. So I'm working with them and,
1: provincially. You're saying
0: yeah, provincially. Yeah, not federally. Um, and and my focus with it's, it's really great for me because it, it really fits with with who I am. Uh, you know, both as a, a person uh, from a spiritual perspective mm-hmm. and also as as a coach. Um, I get to spend lots of time one-on-one with MLAs uh, just working with them on doing life, living well, Mm. uh, having meaningful life and, and leading uh, leading well. But, but I, the nice thing is I'm not a lobbyist. You know, I'm, I'm not in there trying to convince them to. I
1: don't know. I mean, Maybe people, maybe you are now. <laughs>
0: what am I lobbying for? No, no. But
1: so, so, so you, you usually don't do life coaching. You're an executive coach, but this sounds yeah. like you could get, you could do some life coaching as well. Yeah.
0: I can do life coaching.
1: But you're usually an executive. Typically
0: so. an executive coach. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, but not, but this position is kind of life coach ish.
0: Ish. Yeah. I mean, if, if they want to get into things around leadership, absolutely. We can go there. Um,
1: but it's, it's essentially a, a spiritual chaplain position, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's hi, not hi. gonna, you're, you're still executive coaching, but you're doing this as well,
0: yeah. This is on the side, yeah, to my executive coaching. Executive coaching is my business, yeah. This is my side thing. I, well, I got a few side you're, things, you're fun, and podcasting is my passion.
1: <laughs> you gotta have a <laughs> passion, man. <laughs> Well, we do have a little bit of follow-up. Scott. Okay, let's hear it. Every week, we like to follow up on some of the feedback we receive. And actually, there's this one that came in from a listener named Paul. It's just a quote that came to his mind uh, from our last episode. It comes from Adam Smith and his work called The Theory of Moral Sentiments. quote is, Man naturally desires not only to be loved, but to be lovely or to be that thing which is the natural and proper object of love, naturally dreads not only to be hated, but to be hateful, or to be that thing which is the natural and proper object of hatred. He desires not only praise, but praiseworthiness, or to be that thing which, though it should be praised by nobody, is, however, the natural and proper object of praise. He dreads, not, Not only blame, but blameworthiness, or to be that thing which, though it should be blamed by nobody, is, however, the natural and proper object of blame. You know, I, I should, should just start uh, ordering my words in a different way, and it sound smarter like Adam Smith here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as you're reading it, I was reading it along with you, mm-hmm. um, this is one of those ones, I think if, if listeners at home, if that kind of just, uh, if at some point you start daydreaming through that, I'd encourage you to actually uh, go check it out. We'll put it in our notes yeah. uh, because I think it's one of those ones that when you read it, it catches you uh, a little bit better. You know, there's readers and listeners.
1: You're saying I ruined it. No, I'm not saying <laughs> No. People are going to be driving, if they're listening while they're driving, they're just driving right oh. off the road because no, they're say- like... Natural improper (laughs) object (laughs) of.
0: No, no, I'm saying, you know what, what, uh, sometimes poetry is much more profound when you read it than when you listen to someone else reading it.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you, your brain does your, it sits on the idea more.
0: Yeah. It's, it's made for the, the medium of text. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, but as, as you were reading it, but I'm also a reader. That's usually where I get my information better. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, that is a really nice little quote there.
1: Mm. You know we've heard also different things about the words we use, and even though we lay out clearly enough, I think that when we, because of the whole nature of this podcast and because of the kind of discussion we're doing and that we want it to be actionable, stuff that people can pick up and use that while both of us have had are have had probably too much study in our lives, you <laughs> I call, more than I, I call
0: that an acquired brain injury
1: yeah we <laughs> we end up. Uh, Saying um, words that are kind of broad, and if we really dug into a subject, we would need to speak more exactly. But we'll always hmm. anger people that are uh, deep into a subject matter.
0: Yeah, I feel that pressure. Um, you know, it's it's the uh, I, I want to be able to explain this in as elegant and succinct a term as possible way. Yet, if I boil it down, I have edited out a whole lot of other important qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And so you are only getting uh, a taste, and those that are embedded in it and know the, the concept well will mm-hmm. know that I'm missing and skipping. And, and it, you know,
1: yeah, because you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's, a, it's an hour long thing on positive.
0: Yeah, so like I was saying, my biorhythm shifted and this happened once before, but it didn't stick. And so I'm so hoping that it sticks because I have really enjoyed um, what it has been doing for me personally. I think also, though, one of the reasons why it's really working is that I have a lot going on, uh, a lot of personal change, a lot, especially in the professional arena. It's, there's like a tsunami of new opportunities and uh, other things I haven't talked about yet. Um, and if I wasn't using that morning practice, uh, particularly for really reflecting on my life, uh, I think I'd be really missing some of the insights that's there right now.
1: Mm. You know, that's, that is the ticket right there because people are more motivated and they will pay outrageous amounts of money to get rid of pain mm. rather than to achieve good. That's like it's, it's an important thing when you're trying to sell something too because people we will, we will pay to avoid pain rather than to get a feature yeah so when you say oh this is a feature if it's people don't care if it's that good but they'll do anything to get rid of time waste or whatever it is they'll and morning routines can stick if you can really grapple and you have to see it for yourself and for your own morning if you can grapple with the loss of that morning so that feeling, like how I feel, t- how I feel today, feeling of I'm never, I never feel ready for anything. I'm, <laughs> I can't stop and get ready. We're gonna run to the next meeting after this, and it's gonna be go go go. And I might produce stuff, but I won't feel good about it. I won't feel that at ease, that restfulness. And if I can, I gotta my mind anchor onto that loss, because that's the only way I'll get myself to to keep my morning routine. And if you can picture through visualization or just to dig out what's, what's the pain that this morning is getting rid of. Yeah. And if it's the pain of feeling never caught up, what would be your pain?
0: Well, I, I, I felt that this morning because I stayed up late working on a, a presentation that I'm making. Uh, and so it didn't happen for me this morning. I didn't naturally wake up at at four thirty, Um, and, uh, And so as I was saying goodbye to the kids, I just had this, just this feeling, it was a feeling of loss. It's like, Mm -hmm. dang, I missed my morning. I don't, Mm -hmm. I I don't have that same. um, I know Wayne Dyer would say it's a connection to source. Mm. Um, He kind of comes at it from a spiritual perspective. Um, If you come at it from a strategic planning perspective, I haven't, my, my to-do list hasn't been polished yet. My heart didn't get up uh, into a, a good range, you know. My, my pulse didn't get up, and so yeah, yeah I just I, you you feel off.
1: Just like if you dive into a meeting straight from another meeting, rather than stopping for fifteen minutes, thinking I'm about to go into this meeting with nothing planned for that fifteen minutes, you just give yourself fifteen minutes before the meeting to go, let your brain spin a little bit, and you go, okay, this is this is what I want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even if you have an agenda already written up, you can sit there for 15 minutes and just stop. And then when that meeting starts, you'll, you'll be, you'll feel a thousand times better. about Yeah.
0: It. Yeah. I had a meeting yesterday, um, uh, with, uh, someone who's actually coaching me and it was that kind of thing where we moved straight from one thing to the next. And, uh, and she asked for 15 minutes, uh, to prepare it was a really important one um really neat coaching uh thing and um and i could tell where she was coming from the 15 minutes before and the 15 minutes after when she when she said okay i i'm ready to to talk um then all of a sudden boom she came with so much more um clarity and uh centeredness so yeah that's uh, i i'd be interested to hear about uh some of our listeners morning practices and and particularly that question you asked what what would they uh say would be the greatest tragedy if they lost this one piece from their morning
1: because when you're looking at it from betterment you might say it's hard to quantify that meeting was better because of this and when you say i want to have a little better meeting is that worth doing but when you have a really crappy meeting it's a lot easier to say I don't want to have a crappy meeting. Yeah. yeah. I need to not have that. And when you like, when you do consulting and I, you know, like I do a lot of consulting and being coach, you have to be on, you have to take that time.
0: Yeah. Well, so much of being in a meeting and coaching and whatnot is being really present uh, as opposed to having your mind daydreaming. I think what we're really getting into here is, is doing the kind of practices uh, in the morning and, before a meeting or before you have to really be on, on task um, to put you in the mindset of presentness. Um, people call it mindfulness. Uh, it's, it's being incredibly engaged in the now as opposed to having your imagination, thinking about the past or some sort of fantasy. Um, daydreaming is great in some situations, but when, when you're especially with a client, that's the last thing you want to be doing. Um, and, and so if you, if you use a morning practice, that's going to kind of, I think that radically drops off because you become the, the hero in your own journey because you're paying attention to your life. But that does also bring up what I want to get into today. Today's mm. topic, the idea of self-awareness. That's what, uh, I think would be really good for us to get into.
1: Is there something you need to tell me? Is there something I'm not saying about <laughs> myself?
0: <laughs> you have body odor. It's been hard for me to say, and everybody has been writing me and saying, do something about Tony and his body odor. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about it. No, that's not true. He smells like flowers. (laughs) And Irish spring. (laughs) This, this is a big part of my practice with my clients. Mm. Um, And in coaching, this is a a big part. Most coaches spend some time on helping their client to develop self-awareness This was a big part of uh, psychoanalysis, especially Freudian psychoanalysis. It was the idea that the more you know about what the subconscious is up to, the less it's going to have any power over you Mm. um, because it's always up to something devious. That was Freud's idea on it. But where I'm going with this more is that um, the more you understand yourself, especially those things that are at this point Unconscious or just outside of your awareness, the more you're going to be able to effectively lead because you are the tool that you are doing your leadership with, your tone of voice, your, your pacing, your, your attention to detail or not, um, the way that you relate to people. All of that um, is impacted deeply by self-awareness and all of that impacts the people and the projects that you're trying to accomplish. So, mm. although it feels maybe for some people a little bit of a challenge at first like to that. turn it their gaze upon themselves, yeah. I do like that. It is really, I think, the first place you start when it comes to personal development and leadership development.
1: Mm. So, it's kind of like that, it's that uh, quote uh, the unexamined life is totally worth living.
0: Ah, there you are, is Socrates. That how I guess?
1: <laughs> totally <laughs> just kidding it's not worth living it's not worth
0: living if you're not <laughs> examining
1: yourself i feel like this is a foundational bit to leadership because it it's it's the whole self-leading self-listening thing that if you're not listening to yourself and unaware you're like that guy with you know big pizza stain on your your face i don't know how pizza stains your face but you have food on your face and you're telling other people not to have food on their faces. Uh, self-examination. If you want to change, I think if you want healthy growth, or not just negative change, because we're always maybe changing and growing, you kind of have to see it in yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Here's, here's a bit of a thought experiment. Um, how easy is it for you to just turn and look at yourself and say, yeah, I, I, I need to understand myself better. Just on a scale of one to 10, where would you say that that need or that want is? Now think about some leaders you've had in your life that maybe are a little bit on the edge, not necessarily the best leaders. How much would you like them to do some self analysis on a scale of one to 10?
1: 11, 11.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I think that when I'm, when I'm describing what I do, um, sometimes when, when people, they don't quite understand what executive coaching is. Um, and when I talk about, you know, helping people to, that, are, that are doing really well to become really excellent, when I still get that blank look, then I'll ask, have you ever had a crappy boss? And quite often people, oh yeah, oh, I could tell you a story, you know? Yeah. And, and it's at that moment that you just say, probably that boss is less aware of themselves and they don't realize the wake that they're leaving behind. They don't realize that um, their attitude and their style and, and all of that is, is negatively affecting people. And as a result, they're just plowing through life and bowling people over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is why I really think it's important, not just for the people who are struggling to help them to get better, but even more so, the people who are wanting to be um, to really stand out. Um, even more so, they just want to live that really Fabulous life, Mm. deep, rich, meaningful, making a difference in people's lives, uh, acquiring wealth, um, whatever success is for them, Mm. that they're doing it in such a way that at the end of their life, they can say, I, that was a real story. That was a real journey. That was Mm. meaningful. Well, unless you're walking through the story, paying attention to the story and growing and learning yourself, you're going to miss Just a massive opportunity. Mm. Uh, And, you know, the the quote you made of Socrates there, well, one of Socrates' main ideas was that
2: the purpose of life is to grow and develop. Mm -hmm. So self-examination is the beginning of that. Did I get convoluted there?
1: No, not at all you just i'm just want to pause for some self reflection <laughs> you know you can't go deep with others unless you go deep with yourself and huh. deep maybe is the wrong word because in management and in leading others sometimes you you feel like your job is to produce and you you're not aware that the way you do it affects production how nice you are to your people whether they're energized whether they're excited about the project or not does cost or save you money. And so maybe going deep with others sounds negative, but like if you, if you can't, uh, if you can't be self-aware and lead yourself, your ability to help others is, is muted. Just like if, if I'm afraid to deal with something, um, with myself, I'm not going to help lead somebody else down that journey. And maybe some of that life stuff that you were referencing, that sense of meaning, some people they're afraid to sit alone with themselves to sort out that meaning. Mm. So they're not going to be able to walk other people through it. Whether their response is anger or all the the different responses we have, that becomes something kind of hidden limits what they're able to talk about. Mm. How they're able to lead, it can be limiting. It does take a little bit of courage. Just like if you go deep with others, uh, you also go deep for yourself. You know, you've you talked about that before, like when you're coaching somebody and you're helping them with something that in your brain, you're asking yourself the same questions and walking yourself through it. Yeah. And but that's also because you're open to it. And there's all sorts of good reasons why we close ourselves up. So if there's leaders yeah. that, don't have strong uh, self-awareness. Sometimes there's really good reasons for that. Sometimes their brain did it to protect them. Well,
0: you're right. Like now you're getting into uh, uh, self-protection strategies, you know, particularly to protect your ego. Um, You know, that strong belief that I am good enough and that I deserve love. If, if we start going into self-reflection and we don't like what we see there, there is this growing cognitive dissonance and, 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 when that starts to grow, that, that discomfort will oftentimes run away from it. That's why I think it's, it's easier to get into a self-reflection habit at the same time that you are also going through some growth and development. Like if you're taking a class or if you're at some sort of uh, formal retreat or something where you are changing. Because it gives you the hope that when you, start looking, like when you start looking at self-reflection and if there are some things that are coming to your mind that, that you really don't like, if there is no hope that I'm also changing because I'm going through this new process, then you're left with this kind of hopeless feeling that I am what I am and I don't like it and now I have to live with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Brennan Manning, you For read who? much of Brendan Manning? He wrote a book called "The Imposter" that speaks to the idea of this development of, and it's more spiritual than a psychological book or anything, but he just talks about being young and being told uh from by I don't know if it, I don't know if it's his story or not, I don't remember, but I think it was his when he was young, being told by his mother and father that they didn't love him. And that because, as a little person, you you have to believe that you're loved. That your brain distorts love and creates this imposter that can withstand such a harsh circumstance. Mm-hmm. But then, as you age and as you grow into an adult, that, that thing that protected you, that warped sense of love... Like, I, when I grew up with my parents living in you know three states apart for most of my life and so for me love had to include being away for a long period of time not seeing you can see love somebody just fine and not see them for half a year mm. and it had to do that because i needed to feel loved and but then as in and and maybe that's a bad example because that's uh um, that's not like yelling at your kid you don't love them or anything but like in if If your brain then needs to kind of unwind some of those things that you did younger to protect yourself yeah and you and you're never going to get yeah. there unless you're able to stop and look at when you're barking at somebody and realize what that's coming from, yeah, and now see we sound like therapists here <laughs> like to me, I'm all over this hmm. I can't imagine somebody who's not all over this. Does that mean every person you coach is like, yeah, let's get deep on my self awareness
0: yeah you know it is it is fascinating to me um some of the people I coach, they're just like you. They're totally excited about it because they, they, we're talking about them, you know, and, and I mean, who doesn't want to talk about themselves? Uh, but it's, it's fascinating to me. Sometimes I have some clients who just are not interested in going there. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, the more I coach, the more I get to a place where I can choose my clients and, and I'm kind of looking for that. I'm looking for are they capable or at least excited about and interested in going into self-reflection If not, maybe it's a good idea to just put off the coaching for six months to a year and maybe three or four years um, until until that becomes an instinct
1: In terms of your method, your coaching method, that's like the first foundational pillar self-awareness yes yeah and, and in a way you, it's Such a pillar that you can use it almost as a gate to say, if, if you're not ready to, to, if you're ready to be self-aware, I can do a lot with you. Yeah. You're not ready to do that. You're not, you can't even enter into this cycle of development. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes. Now, now to a degree, like I can certainly uh, help them in other areas like, uh. They want to learn some cybernetics, um, you know, some some basic behavioral things that they can do um, at that point, though, if, if that's where you're at, if you're if you're not interested in, in self-awareness, you might as well just hire a management consultant
2: because
0: mm-hmm. they'll just give you the answers here. Do this, this, this and that. And um, the only the only th- <laughs> what reason I would I would grieve that is that it's in the self-reflection that you really develop your personhood. And that's where substance lies. Mm um, Because how many of us have had a leader that doesn't have a lot of substance?
1: Mm. What do you say to then the people whose inclination is to, to kind of discredit this because of their jobs don't need it. Yeah. We're just making buttons. <laughs> I just got to get these assembly lines running, running, running. Yeah.
0: There's a, a way to look at this. If you were to say draw a graph and on, on the one side um, is, is depth, substance. And so that's the, that's the, the one going up. Mm-hmm. And then the one that's going sideways, uh, let's call it um, uh, financial development or so you got personal development and financial, uh, you know, making money uh, or living life that way. Um, for a lot of people, I think if you were to draw a line, uh, the line would, would go very laterally along the line of that they're doing really well at developing their careers and they're doing really well at you know developing financial uh dependence and whatnot um but they're not necessarily developing their spirituality you know and their or their their ability to have deep friendships um poetry is the last thing they want to look at you know it just doesn't resonate with them and then they'll oftentimes at some point in their life they'll face this crisis and that's the special spot it's this moment in their life where they just go okay it's there's got to be more to life than just this and oftentimes those people the the graph will change um some of them will make some serious decisions you know quit their jobs and uh, you know go on treks across the world i think that's a little off the top but but what you can do um when you're having that, that crisis moment, you can shift some of your behaviors, shift some of the people that you hang out with, start reading deeper works, and maybe read a little bit of poetry and see what happens to your heart. Now, of course, in a leadership podcast, there will be some people who are listening to this and this, it's, it's not resonating. Like a guitar, um, mm-hmm. an electric guitar that's not plugged in, you don't hear it. But an acoustic guitar, when you strum it, the sound goes in, resonates, and comes out much louder. So, for some people, what I'm saying, you're just going, yeah. And for other people, it's just not there yet.
1: So, for those people, they need to understand that there's money in substance.
2: Mm, that's interesting, yeah. yeah.
1: There is this whole competition for employees now. There absolutely is. Because turnover costs you a crazy amount of money. Crazy amount yeah, of money. Yeah, it does. And... Unless you're managing a McDonald's, in which case you'll have a few positions that turnover doesn't harm you that much. And most in this information age, most of our jobs are going to cost a tremendous amount. And so getting people to stay in their jobs and stay working for you will save you tons of money. And you being having some substance, being able to draw and speak to people from a sense of self-awareness, awareness of how you come across Letting people know that you care—all these, all the soft stuff—you can drive the hard numbers with those soft mm. practices. Simply because somebody doesn't leave because they have some jerk boss. Somebody feels like they want to be there, and and we don't live in a day and age where 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 somebody works for you and they say, "I really hate my job," but you know what? This is this is what we do. Mm. No, they say, hmm, "I'm going to get another job. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do." anything else Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you're competing to keep employees and is a good employee worth a lot more than a bad employee? Sometimes that gap is tremendous. Mm. If you're a good employee and there's all, and there's a competition for jobs, are you going to stick around for some boss that needs to sit alone and, and learn himself? <laughs> no, you're going to say this guy needs to sit alone by himself for a few days. I'm going to go somewhere else mm-hmm. where somebody you yeah. know, has done that.
0: Oh yeah. People don't leave Bad jobs as much as they leave bad bosses.
1: <laughs> it's true. Very true.
0: Getting back to the, if you want to call it the methodology, or things to do to develop self-awareness higher. I've got a couple ideas here.
1: Yeah, if we, if we can even just get into one thing. Okay. Let's say I'm a guy who, not ready for the five o'clock wake up and workout, but I, I don't want to sit alone. How do I become self-aware? What's a practice I can do to begin to get those wheels turning?
0: Right. Well, okay. A big, a big part of, of what I do uh, in coaching is psychometric testing. Uh, your Myers-Briggs personality tests and whatnot. Those are great ways to start. But that's not what I would want to give today. There's, there's um, like I've got a whole slew of, of different ones that we can use. What, what I've found to be really beneficial and this is what I recommend, starting to recommend to a lot of my clients now, is the practice of journaling. It's typically journaling is one of those ones that's, that people rave about who do it. Uh, and those, those who look from the outside will oftentimes have no sense of the value until you've been there. It's kind of the same with, say, meditation or yoga or exercise. People rave about their, you know, their, their workout and how they feel and everybody on the outside does not want to hear it. But let me talk about it as a person who, who does journaling and what it has been doing for me. After I've, after I've worked out in the morning, had a shower, um, I've spent some time meditating. And by meditation, it, it can be anything from chewing on an idea to just relaxing. And for me, it is, is be alone uh, with, with my, my, in, in my own spiritual tradition. For me, the meditation is just a, a time to center myself and, uh, and be able to capture my attention so I'm not distracted. And then here's, here's the part that I would recommend. Sit down with a really nice book. Don't have like one of these small little journals. Uh, get, get a nice larger one uh, that's, that's the kind of book you want to write in. It has to, you have to feel drawn to it. Right. And I actually, I have a really nice pen. I have a fountain pen.
1: Um, and it just feels, is that, in, is that in case you get thirsty as you're, as <laughs> you're writing <laughs> I think
0: you have a drink out of my fountain pen? <laughs> I do it because, uh, when I'm with, when I'm with that, well, first of all, I'm not doing it on a computer, uh, which always has distractions, check my email or Facebook and that kind of stuff. Instead, I'm just sitting with my beautiful piece of paper then I divide it into three columns. Um, and I, down the middle, it's the larger column, I journal what, what it is that I have been thinking about lately. And this is where I think the real uh, magic lies. Because oftentimes you're just going through life and not really paying attention to the story that's unfolding. When you journal, you're catching it. You're capturing it. And when you do that, you become the hero in your own journey you become, you know, and I think that that's for each one of us, we need to be placing ourselves there. Um,
1: You at least think that looking at your own life through that lens, through a hero's journey kind of lens or like a story lens, you ask yourself, how's what's my story about? If my life was a story, that's at least a good practice. Yeah. Yeah. People that might say, well, Scott, you're being too making people a hero point is it's an exercise that if you do it does help tweak your brain
0: sure if you if you prefer use the word protagonist instead of hero
1: i always do (laughs) um
0: another thing that that i like to do when i'm journaling so I'm, i'm capturing what's going on and it's not just it's not your lame stuff like you know i went and i bought a dozen eggs and you're not you're not it's not like you are doing a captain's log it's what have been the high points what what is it you want to keep um, but it's not so much for posterity as much as it is to, to be in the habit of paying attention to your journey. Then I also give space for a quieter part of the self to speak. This is where I think it's really valuable. When you're sitting in a meeting and, and there's a lot going on, you're just sitting there. I'm, I'm qu- usually a little bit more quiet in meetings someone will say something on the other side of the table and everybody goes, oh, that was smart. They're, they realize at that moment the wisdom came and that shapes where the direction of the conversation goes. Well, oftentimes, I will think, I was just thinking that. You know, I had the exact same thought about five minutes ago, but I didn't say it because it wasn't quite in the realm of consciousness. It was just, just. do you know what I mean? That, that space that's I'm not, I, I think I'm thinking it, but I'm not quite sure. It was just right there.
1: Some people call it creativity, but mm. it's this, it's a generative moment, but it's gets limited by your worries, gets limited by your attitude, your willingness yeah. to think it. That's your one editing, of you things you have you know. a lot of when you're a child, but as an adult being taught math and stuff.
0: <laughs> math Especially ruins everything. <laughs> Where
1: well, somebody uh, out there going, no, math is highly creative for me.
0: But uh, So this is when I'm journaling. That's where I, I give voice to that part of self. Um, I really pay attention. What have I been, what's been on the, just the fringe of my conscious awareness. Uh, and then the creativity does flow. And I, I write down, actually, when I give myself space out, for example, I'll say, boy, I actually, I've been, I've been worried about this. And, and not until I journal it, do I realize that I've been worried about this.
1: That's awesome. Do you also use like triggers or questions? Yeah. Like what, like if sit somebody down and they don't know what to journal, they might sit there thinking, am I right? Yeah. yeah. You've given a little bit, a sense of what's going on, but I, I guess I know people that would just sit there and start writing out like events and not getting into the meaning of what's going on. Mm. How do you, how do you remove that? That just, the journal it turns into I went to the store, I bought a hat. Uh good one. Kind of journaling.
0: Well, you're I think you're you're getting at a good idea there, which is what questions are you asking? Um the question that you ask yourself, then you go and answer. Um and there's a there's we'll get into this in other podcasts, how that can oftentimes, if you're asking the wrong kind of question, it can take you down a real dark hole. But if you're asking questions that um are generative what can i learn from this for example or what is it that really gets me jazzed up about volunteering for example Mm. um what why why do i dot 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 fill in the blanks you know um and then when you ask those questions that gets some juices flowing now for for some people uh they're not necessarily there um so I recommend uh, having uh, somebody who's kind of a mentor there. And lots of times that can actually be uh, through uh, literature. Um, one of the best examples I had of that I, was a course that I took uh, for my doctorate um, that included working with a coach. She would send us regular questions about, just like I said there, what is it that jazzes you up about life? What are some of the most important people in your life? Why are they important to you? Those kind of questions, she would have us journaling every, every day and she'd interact with us. Um, and it led to a lot of personal development, growth and realizations. So there's that. Maybe that may be something that in the very near future will include, um, maybe we'll put it on in our show notes. Some examples of questions that you can be asking yourself in journaling. So anyways, uh, what I was getting at here, there's three columns first column has that piece in there where you're writing it. And that, that takes up the majority down the middle. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And then on the left-hand side, you go back and read what it is that you wrote and you, you critique it. So the first bit, when you're writing down the middle, you're, it's almost like free writing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, You're not, you're not editing at all. Then on the, on the other side, you're, you're, you can look at it and say, what can I learn from this? Um and you're also looking to see do I hear any?
1: You mean critiquing what you wrote? Or you mean like getting down to the bottom of the thought? It's it sounds like something I've read before around depression and happiness, where you write out your, where you write out your negative feelings, like mm. nobody likes me, and then you, on another column you go back to that and say, is that really true? Is it true that nobody likes me? And you write out that's not true, and just the pr- the practice of doing that helps remove a false negative lens over your life.
0: Yeah, something th- like that, that is a great example. Yeah, um, you're, you're looking at your thoughts and, and looking to validate them or not. Uh, you're also looking to see whether is this helpful, but I guess you're, you're just looking at it. What you've done is you have taken your thoughts and you've said, now for a second, I'm gonna look at it as if they're not me. That was me, I've written it down, but now I'm gonna look at it like someone from the outside to see is is this a real helpful way of looking at it? Because a big part of when you tell your story, the way you tell your story radically shapes where you're going. Mm. You know, there's a whole field of of therapy around this. It's true as a company, therapy.
1: like as a, in terms of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. That being aware of your own company's story and of where you're going and what, what you want to do with your employees. Like so, you know, are you taking your employees, leading them down a path of um where innovation and if so can you look at the ways you've been managing them the things you say and say yeah are those things that make people innovative or, or give people the freedom to do so or are we just talking about innovative things and then on the on the in reality we're jumping on people every time they make a mistake mm. which means we'll never have innovation
0: yes that's a great example um because in the first year of reflecting but in the second stage, you're reflecting on your reflection. Yeah. And what you really want to be asking yourself is, is this healthy? Is this for learning that I'm asking? Or is it to blame myself or other people?
1: I got to know what's in the third column. Okay, the third column.
0: So that'll be on your left side now. Um, after you've done some quick reflection, and this doesn't take too long. Like you, your, your reflection happens, you know, this may be a, a 15 minute process. So it might be a half hour. Um but then in that last column there you actually write down learnings that you've got from this like like just a a quick little aha moment um and I'll often ask or sorry write uh what my actions will be coming from this mm. do this put this in your day timer you know um so I'll it might only be one or two things per page that I'll write in that column
1: it's kind of like a therefore
0: exactly yeah
1: so therefore I'm going to make sure that my employees know that I have their back so that they feel the, fr- that, so they're willing to bring up those new ideas that they don't feel like they're going to be punished uh, for not agreeing with my direction. Cause otherwise, if I, if they're afraid, they're never going to innovate. Yeah. I'm never going to get uh. those new ideas that I need.
0: Well, and if you, if you really want to make,
1: and then you can drill that down to today, I'm going to go do or
0: Yeah. You can do that. I, I, or you can, you can take the story even Deeper, um uh in that column you can write a question like, How can I make my employees feel? Dot, 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 dot. And then that that question sits with you for the next day or two and you pick it up in tomorrow's journal. I've been thinking about this now. You know, so that because what you want is for these not to be single episodes, but but a string, uh, a long story arc between them.
1: What if, in my journal, all there is is just kind of pictures of, like, farm animals? <laughs> <laughs> Can you psychoanalyze that? <laughs> what does it mean? I do put them into three columns, though. <laughs> if I try to connect the two, I don't know what the, I don't know what the picture of the chicken means about the pic- picture of the pig. <laughs> Sometimes you try hard at jokes, and they just don't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sort of laugh. <laughs> Well, we're drawing our time to a close here, and I do have a resource that I wanted to throw out for this uh, this week that kind of correlates a bit to what you're talking about. It's kind of a it can be a good kickstarter, and it comes from uh, I really just take it off of your website, Scott, because every week we we try to get a resource for you listeners out there. Um, actually, it's kind of a two in one. The first one is simple, and it's uh, just to help you with the self reflection stuff, and it is a mirror. <laughs> uh
0: well that was profound
1: okay that was deep uh, <laughs> see i told you i like to go deep Deep thoughts with Donnie. Um, but really a good question a good questionnaire can be like a mirror um and you you kind of mentioned this earlier that you have that you take people through stuff like myers-briggs and mm-hmm. um i mean there's so much good stuff out there but there's a particular one um that's a that positive uh intelligence the saboteurs it's an assessment of your of your mental saboteurs that cause you that cause you harm it's something that i've you can find on scott's website which is advancedleadership.biz, uh b-i-z because it's like biz z with attitude zed uh oh sorry z canadians Canadian and americans z. working together <laughs> uh if you go down if you go to his page uh called client assessments You scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a a whole self-discovery section. And at the bottom, there's a link to take a a test that helps you identify your saboteurs, engage your positive intelligence. Uh, You'll see a link that says, identify your saboteurs, engage your positive intelligence. And this allows you to uh, see where mentally you have, there's there's a tendency maybe to play the victim or the avoider or the judge or controller comes at you. And it's, uh, it's a great kickstart for your journal, that's for sure. Scott, I want to say thank you for chatting with me.
0: You betcha. I always enjoy
1: this. I'm hearing that self-assessment is important. I'm yep. hearing that journaling is important and that you, you laid out a really, I think, a really great model for people to kind of kickstart their self-awareness?
0: If you really want to start the journey of personal development and leadership, the first step is self-awareness and being open to that, to not poo-poo it and push it aside. Mm -hmm. One of the easiest ways to make major leaps there is in the practice of journaling.
2: Mm.
0: One of the big reasons why is that it helps you to find your voice, then your voice you're much more aware of it when you're in other locations as well Mm -hmm. you find your voice and you find your story and that typically makes you a person of far greater substance
1: and makes you fat stacks of cash
0: (laughs) there you go (laughs) thank you Tony and thanks to our listeners and I'll uh, leave this question with you Uh, how are you gonna take the idea of personal leadership development self-awareness and the habit of journaling and leverage it for your development this week.